Hey, this is the Mark Butler Show, episode 31. And of course, this is the fifth in a multi-part series called Bookkeeping 101, where I'm teaching solopreneurs the language of bookkeeping. Because as you develop fluency in this language, you're closer and closer to becoming your own CFO and making the best possible decisions that you can with your business finances. Now, this series started in episode 27 of the Mark Butler Show, And we started by talking about how the transactions are the truth in every single business out there. We need to store specific types of information about every transaction so we can roll that information up into useful reports that help us make decisions. In episode 28, we talked about how money gets into your business through business revenue or sales, how it gets back out of your business through business expenses, and also how you as the owner contribute money to the business so that it can grow and draw money back out of the business as owner distributions. In episode 29, we talked about loans and how we track the introduction of loan borrowed money into your business and how we track the payments to those loans. In episode 30, we talked about a simple daily bookkeeping workflow that you can implement so that you always know exactly what's going on in your business finances and you don't have that year-end stress as you scramble to pull everything uh, together for your tax preparer. So speaking of pulling everything together for your tax preparer, today in episode 31, we're going to talk about one of the two main reports that we use in our business to help us gauge the financial status and the financial health of the business, and that is the profit and loss report, also known as a P&L, also known as an income statement. Now, the P&L is the place where we track revenue and expenses and the difference between those two numbers. So on a P&L, I look at all my revenue, I subtract all my expenses, and if the number that's left over is positive, of course I have a profit, and if the number that's left over is negative, then I have a loss. Now, I used to think that there must be one correct way to structure a P&L, that there were very specific pieces of information that had to be included and that they had to be presented in exactly the same way. I thought there had to be sort of one true P&L. And then, of course, I found out in my research that you can structure your P&L in whatever way serves you best. You don't want to fall into the, the thinking that I have to structure my P&L in a way that my tax preparer will like. We've talked about this before. I'm sure we'll talk about it again. The purpose of bookkeeping is not to please a tax preparer. Yes, we want to have a good working relationship with our tax preparer. We want them to be able to get the information they need in order to prepare our tax returns. But the purpose of bookkeeping is to keep the business owner clear about the current state, the current health of the business finances. So as we talk about how to structure a P&L, keep in mind that it needs to be structured in a way that suits you and helps you make decisions as opposed to being something that your accountant told you you had to do or doing it in a way that your accountant told you had to do it. Your accountant, if he or she is worth the money that you're paying them, can pull the information they need from your report in order to prepare your return. And if they have questions about it, they can ask you. But they are working for you, not the other way around. So structure your P&L in a way that suits you and your decision-making and your financial clarity, not in a way that you think your, your accountant will require. So how do we structure this P&L? Because we have almost total flexibility in how we organize it. So let's make sure we organize it in a way that's useful. And let's start with revenue tracking. At the top of your P&L, you have your revenue. And you could have one generic line in your P&L that says revenue, and that could keep track of every penny that your customers paid you for your products, your services, your coaching, your consulting, your retreats, whatever you sell. You could do that. But I think it would be a mistake because different types of revenue cost you different amounts of resources, energy, stress, and because they're different, they need to each have their own line in your P&L. So 
I sell one-on-one consulting and I sell a product. I have two revenue lines in my P&L. If you sell, if you sell coaching, if you sell a service, if you sell a product and you sell a retreat, I would have four revenue lines in your P&L. I want each of those revenue types broken out on your P&L so you can quickly see how much you earn from each revenue type for any given period. Whether it's for any given week, month, quarter, or year, you need to have that information at a glance. This helps you stay totally clear about where your money is actually coming from. And when you're deciding whether or not to do more or less of a specific type of thing in your business, you want to do that with clarity. You want to make those decisions knowing exactly where your money came from. Because I've seen shocked looks on business owners' faces when I do some historical bookkeeping for them and I point out to them, hey, did you realize that this particular product generates 20% of your revenue? They're shocked because they thought that product really did nothing for them. They were thinking about getting rid of it. That's why it's so important in your daily bookkeeping workflow that you categorize each payment that you get from a client or a customer according to the type of revenue that you're earning there. So that's step one to having a useful profit and loss statement. Break out your revenue according to the type of revenue you received. The next thing we have to talk about on a P&L is what we're calling cost of goods or cost of sales. Now, there is a difference between cost of goods and cost of sales. If you ask most bookkeepers or most accountants, you know, manufacturing businesses are more obvious examples of cost of goods because when I manufacture a car, I have to buy steel and I have to buy rubber and wiring and all this other stuff, plastic. Those are all cost of goods. Cost of sales is typically associated with service businesses. But for our purposes in the solopreneur world, we're really talking about the same thing. We don't really have a lot of hard goods. We're not buying steel, rubber, plastic, and wiring to manufacture our coaching programs or our online courses. So instead of debating whether we're going to call it cost of goods or cost of sales, we'll just go with cost of sales in in the world of solopreneurs. But let's talk about why we care that certain expenses that the business incurs are classified as cost of sales, or they're under the heading of cost of sales. And other expenses in our business are not part of cost of sales. And let's start with the example of my course, Let's Do the Books. In order to deliver Let's Do the Books to the people who buy it from me, I had to sign up for specific pieces of software. I only bought this software in order to host my course. If I didn't have a course, I wouldn't own this software. That is the definition of what belongs in cost of sales. On the other hand, my podcast hosting is not part of cost of sales because it doesn't relate to the specific creation or delivery of my product. So it's just part of my other expenses. There's an actual heading on our P&L called other expenses, and that's where my podcast hosting goes. It's where my calendaring software goes. It's where books that I buy to educate myself about business and about finance, those all go under the general heading of other expenses. If I sell a retreat, I've got a venue that I have to pay for. I might have some food that I'm giving the people who attend my retreat. I might have some travel expenses for my my customers who are attending the retreat. All of those things would go into cost of sales because they relate directly to the creation and the delivery of my product, which is in this case, a retreat. The reason we care about the cost of sales for a particular product or service is that it allows us to do apples to apples comparisons between two different types of product. So let's use the retreat again, and let's use one-on-one coaching as an example. Let's say that I have a retreat that I sell for $10,000. And let's say that I have a one-on-one coaching program that I sell for $10,000. If I just stopped there, I might say, well, the retreat pays me $10,000. The one-on-one coaching pays me $10,000. So they're basically the same thing. 
But of course, you know, they're not the same thing. In order to deliver the retreat, I've got to pay for the venue, the food, the travel, maybe the on-site facilitation. I got to pay for all that. With the one-on-one coaching, what do I need? I need my laptop, an internet connection, maybe a cell phone, free Skype account. I don't really need anything in terms of direct costs in order to create or deliver my one-on-one coaching. So if I'm just looking at the price of the two different offers, it would be very easy to say that they're basically the same when the reality is there's a lot more expense and a lot more hassle usually associated with something like a retreat than there is with one-on-one coaching. So I want to break out my specific costs of sales so that I can say, all right, after my costs of sales are paid, now what's left over? And I find that with my retreat, after I pay for venue and everything else, 3,000 of the original 10,000 is left over. And with my one-on-one coaching, basically the full 10,000 is left over because there are really almost no direct expenses associated with one-on-one coaching. I already have my laptop, my cell phone, and my internet connection. I'm paying for them anyway. So in terms of direct cost associated with that one-on-one coaching, I really have no expenses. So pulling out the direct costs, the costs of sales of the retreat versus the one-on-one coaching lets me make an accurate and honest comparison of the two offers. It doesn't necessarily mean that the retreat is bad because it has high costs of sales or that the one-on-one coaching is good because it has low costs of sales. It just lets me look at the money that's left over after I remove the cost of sales. In the example that we're using here, all we find out is that in order to generate roughly the same kind of profit per sale from the retreat, as I do from the one-on-one coaching, I have to sell a little over three people into the retreat for every one person I sell into one-on-one coaching. That's why looking at cost of sales is useful. It helps us understand the direct expenses associated with a particular offer, and it lets us act accordingly. It lets us build our business based on what we understand about the profit per sale when you subtract out the direct expenses. I might set up a business that's completely built around retreats, and all I know is because there are more expenses per sale, because I have venue and I have all the other stuff, I just have to sell a lot more people into those retreats in order to have them put as much money in my pocket as a comparable number of one-on-one coaching sales. That's why we look at cost of sales and that's why we split it out from the rest of the expenses in the business on our P&L. Now, what you might be realizing as you listen to me say this is that we have our big P&L that shows me all of my revenue types and the amounts that they paid me for any given period of time, shows me all of my cost of sales in the whole business for any period of time, and it shows me all my other expenses, my regular everyday expenses for any given period of time. I can also have kind of micro P&Ls where I look at my retreats, their revenue, their cost of sales, and look at the profitability of just that part of my business. But I want my big P&L organized in such a way that I can see just enough detail that I can make some of these comparisons at a glance. I can say, okay, this much money came in from retreats, this much money came in from one-on-one coaching. This much money went out to retreat cost of sales. This much money went out to one-on-one coaching cost of sales. That's why the top two sections of the P&L are first revenue, second cost of sales, and then the last part is other expenses. Now, what goes into other expenses? Well, it's everything that does not relate directly to the creation or the delivery of the product. So it's my regular software subscriptions that aren't part of hosting a specific product. It's my travel expenses. It's my virtual assistant. It's the web designer who works on my primary website. It's payroll. These kinds of things go into the other expenses part of my P&L. Then when I analyze the business from a high level, I can look at the revenue section and say, here's where my money's coming from. 
I can look at the cost of sales section and say, here's how much it costs to actually produce and deliver my products and programs. And I can look at the other expenses section of my P&L and say, here's how much money I'm spending day in and day out. And when we're trying to figure out how to increase profit in the business, we can look at each of the sections individually. We can look at the revenue and say, can I sell more of these products and services? Can I charge more for them? We can look at the cost of sales section of the P&L and say, can I figure out how to make it cheaper to create and deliver these programs? And we can look at the other expenses part of the P&L and say, can I just save money month to month? Can I have my virtual assistant work 10 hours a week instead of 20? Can I cancel a few of these subscriptions that I'm not using anymore? Can I travel a little bit less? That's why we organize it this way. The income and the expenses in each section of the P&L relate closely to each other. I have all my revenue in one place so I can just have a revenue conversation. I have all my cost of sales in one place so I can just have a conversation about what it costs to produce and deliver these products and services. And the other expenses area of my P&L is where I can talk about making my business more efficient and more lean, getting my overhead as low as I can without damaging the business. So that's how we organize our P&L, and that's what we hope to learn from it. Every time I update my financials, which we talked about in the last episode, where I, I import all the new transactions that have happened in the business since the last time I did my bookkeeping, I balance the accounts to make sure the information I have in my software exactly matches what's online in my accounts. I categorize every transaction according to the job that it did in the business. I reconcile all that data to mark that block of data as complete and accurate. And then simultaneously, all of that information is automatically showing up in my P&L. The revenue transactions show up in the revenue part of the P&L. The cost of sales transactions show up in the cost of sales part of the P&L. And the other expenses show up in the other expenses part of the P&L. But the reason I want you doing your bookkeeping daily or weekly or at the least monthly is because it allows you then to go review your P&L and say, where do I stand? How much money have I brought in? versus how much money I've paid out. Am I making money? Is this business profitable? And when you check in on that often, it gives you a chance to course correct. It gives you a chance to do more of what's working and less of what's not working. That's why we do bookkeeping. And as a small side benefit, when tax time rolls around, everything's ready, clean and clear, ready to go to the accountant so that she or he can do their work. In the next installment of Bookkeeping 101, we'll talk about the balance sheet which is the other major report that we use to help us gauge the health of our business finances. Hope you're having a great week. If you have questions about Bookkeeping 101, you can email them to mark at markbutler.com. If you want to implement my bookkeeping workflow and my preferred bookkeeping software, go to letsdothebooks.com and put in your email address. You'll get some free lessons and you'll get a chance to sign up for my course that will take you through my process exactly as I do it for myself and my clients. Hope you have a great week and I will talk to you next Friday.